0: It is time for a Mental Health Monday during this Mental Health Awareness Month. And uh, we have a great guest to share with you as we talk about emotions today. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us today, the Rev. Dr. Richard Mars. He's Associate Professor of Practical Theology and Director of the MDiv and Residential Alternate Route Programs at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. He's also author of Making Christian Counseling More Christ-Centered. Dr. Mars, welcome back to The Coffee Hour.
2: Thank you very much for having me, Tom.
0: I am looking forward to talking about emotions today uh, during this mental health awareness month, and um, our friends at Concordia plan services has uh, they have done a great job of encouraging church workers during this yeah. month to uh, to be healthy, uh, especially when it comes to mental health and being aware of that and so they have some great resources and one of the topics that that they 're addressing this month is emotions so so let 's ask a nice big, broad philosophical question <laughs> to start us off. Um, why do we have emotions? Like, do, do they serve a purpose? Why do we have emotions?
2: Well, you know, we have this God that we call our creator who apparently has created us to be like him. And he has emotions. Uh, and he has granted us emotions, or as, as Luther says in the uh, uh, small catechism, our reason and all our senses and still takes care of them. Um He decided to make us not just Spock or Data from, I'm dating myself here on uh, various Star Trek sorts of uh, of, uh, uh, shows, but uh, we are not just logical thinking oriented. We are those. We have logic. We have uh, ability to think clearly, although that's been uh, impacted by our fall into sin. We don't remember things. We don't think as clearly as we could have. Uh, I look forward to the clarity in the new creation. But uh, in the same way, he created us with emotions. Our emotions since the fall have also been uh, warped in various ways. Uh, Adam and Eve fell into shame immediately after the fall. Their two sons disagreed with each other, and one got so angry that he actually killed the other one. Cain and Abel story uh, our emotions, as sinful human beings, have been both beneficial and gifts to us, and out of whack in various ways uh, since the very beginning.
1: So let's talk psychology for just a second, because I, I love talking about emotions, and, I, and we've talked a little bit about this in previous uh, episodes about mental health. But what are some of the the recent ways that uh, that psychology? has explained emotions, our emotional lives, uh, those kinds of things.
2: Well, thanks. Yeah, actually some Christians have been uh, writing about this, some psychologists who are Christians, counselor types who are Christians, and becoming rather well-known about it. Uh, One of them, Sue Johnson, has been promoting, Dr. Sue Johnson for the last several decades, been promoting the idea of uh, uh, EFT, Emotion-Focused Therapy. Uh, where she's building it off of uh, uh, attachment theory that when we're small children, we get either a a confidence in ourselves, which leads us to have well-attached relationships, or we have doubts about ourselves or doubts about other people, which lead us to be anxious or avoidant of of relationships. And it's been interesting to read, again, some prominent psychologists like her. Uh, Another one that I point people toward is... uh, Kurt Thompson, who's a psychiatrist who's written a book called Anatomy of the Soul and he's actually looking at it from a what 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 is called in the field now an interpersonal neurobiological approach um, how we look at our brains and he and Dan Siegel Dan Siegel's also a Christian but uh, has been writing about this from a more secular perspective. Kurt Thompson uh, has been writing about this from a Christian perspective and actually points out things like God created us for relationships, and it was not good for man to be alone. Uh, it was not good for humans to be alone. So he created Eve for Adam, and we've been growing in relationships to each other ever since. In the same way, he created our brains not to be alone, and even our brain cells not to be alone. Even one, Every one of our brain cells has the capacity to connect with 10,000 other brain cells through synaptic transmissions. And that's how we think. It's how we feel. It's how, our, it's how our bodies continue to live because our brains are telling our heart how to beat and our lungs how to breathe, even when we're not consciously aware of those things. So uh, uh, some rather remarkable sorts of things that are kind of coming out and how we can apply those things, uh, apply what we know about our biology. Uh, Again, I'm very excited about this because when I was in grad school 35 years ago and I took biology courses as part of my PhD in in psychology, it was basically, well, know what these drugs do, know what these drugs do. Uh, They're helpful if people are really depressed or really anxious. We really don't know how these drugs work, but they do work, so know a little bit about them. And now then we're talking here 30 years later, uh, well, Siegel and Thompson have been talking about these things for 20 years or so. Um, no, it's not just what drugs are in our body or what psychopharmacological treatment we can receive, but we can think about how to improve our brains and our make ourselves more emotionally healthy in various ways, so...
0: Mm -hmm. Emotionally healthy. I want to talk more about that in just a little bit. What does it mean to be emotionally healthy? Before we get to that, though, what does God say about emotions? Uh, And and how do these modern explanations um, serve? Are they compatible or not compatible with uh, what God says in our faith?
2: Yeah, yeah, good question. I mean, in Romans chapter 7, Paul is lamenting about his disintegration, his lack of cohesion as, as a person. His, the good things he wants to do, he doesn't do. The bad things he doesn't want to do, he keeps on doing. There's this emotional tension within him that he just doesn't know what to deal with. And he actually then says, what should I do about all this? you know our, Well, thanks be to God, he's given us our Lord Jesus Christ. And then we go into Romans chapter 8, I always like to, we're all Romans seven sinners, but we have a Romans eight God who then heals us from the inside out, from the outside in every possible way. And, um, yeah. Um, How can we then continue to be healthier knowing that the Holy spirit is interceding for us in Romans chapter eight, that nothing can separate us from the love of God toward the end of Romans chapter eight, um, Again, like I said before, we are people created by God to be in relationship with other people. Those relationships and the emotions that go with them uh, get out of whack. We are, uh, we are all wanting to be known by God and by other people. That's how He has made us to to have a sense of trust in Him, and in other trustworthy people. Uh, That's what the gospel is, is trusting in our Lord Jesus Christ and what He has done for us to show His love through the cross and and the resurrection. But we want to be known by other people. We want to build that trust. But there's all these bad things that happen that make us feel guilt, shame, um, that want to separate us from... Other people, and from ourselves, and from our God, we constantly being tempted to not trust in, not fear, love, and trust in Him above all things, as we say in the first commandment, meaning in the Catechism as well. So, um, so yeah, I mean, emotions are just all over Scripture. God gets angry a lot in the in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, but He is also compassionate and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That phrase just is repeated scores and scores of times in the Old Testament. Uh, He wants to be in relationship with us because he is that type of God. And then we learn in the New Testament through Jesus how he's going to show us that, that peace, that patience, that loving kindness, but through the gospel of his cross and resurrection. So
1: is that making sense?
2: Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. So what is the relationship between our emotions and our faith then with, with these explanations of of God's uh, emotion, our emotion, how does that fit together then with our, with our faith?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I often do use the word trust rather than faith Again, both are interchangeable and both are synonymous with each other. I do think that when many people use the word faith or believe, it's a more cognitive oriented thing. It's uh, them thinking about the right things to believe, um, to when I said have all the right information and process it in their left brain hemisphere uh, so that they know the right things to say. But trust has a more emotional connotation to it. I trust my wife. I trust my pastor. I trust other people in my life. Uh, I trust the counselor that I go to see or uh, whoever it might be. Um, we, we believe in them in a cognitive way, but we have an emotional connection that builds upon the relationship we've had with them for some time. And that trust, again, you know, I'll say, overcomes uh, any other shame, guilt, struggle, doubt that we might have in our relationship with them. So...
0: We have more to learn about emotions in just a moment. We're talking with the Reverend Doctor Richard Mars. He's associate professor of practical theology and director of the MDiv and residential alternate route programs at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. He's also author of "Making Christian Counseling More Christ Centered." We're going to learn more about emotions with him in just a moment. You're listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth.
0: Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth.
0: We're talking with the Reverend Dr. Richard Mars, Associate Professor of Practical Theology at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, about emotions today. And uh, earlier you mentioned emotional health, I think, uh, Dr. Mars, And so I'd like to talk about what role emotions play in uh, various aspects of our life, particularly well-being, um, but also some other areas like decision-making and faith. So let, let's start with overall well-being. What role do emotions play in our well-being?
2: Well, it's when they get out of whack, when they get mm-hmm. distorted, that then we don't feel that emotional well-being. Uh, the two primary most common uh, mental disorders in the United States and around the world are depression and anxiety disorders, and they make up like 20% of the people uh, in the United States struggling with one of those, and often they're kind of interchanged. Uh, when when bad things have happened to us and we've let those kind of influence our minds In whatever way, because bad things happen to us as a child or bad things happen to us as an adult, uh, we can develop these kinds of disorders. And again, it just leaves people exhausted and depression can lead them to spend days in bed. Uh, uh, Anxiety disorders can leave them trapped inside their homes because they're afraid that if they go outside their home, they're going to have another panic attack or, or something like that. So yeah, sadness in its extreme form, which is depression or fear in its extreme form in anxiety disorders, just get us all emotionally out of whack and again, can have an effect on our on our faith as well. A lot of depressed people or anxious people think, well, does God really love me? Wouldn't he take this away from me if he really did? And that's uh, one of the things that I try to deal with in in my book, uh, Making Christian Counseling More Christ-Centered, is helping people to realize that they have the Philippians 4, peace that surpasses all understanding, that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. We have that confidence in our vertical relationship with our God objectively because of Jesus, that even when we've had bad things happen to us at a horizontal level, Uh, and realize people can't see me as I'm moving my hands horizontally here. So, uh, (laughs) um, you know, when we have bad things happen to us horizontally, it does not have to have an impact on our vertical relationship with the God who just continues to come to us day after day after day, loving us, forgiving us, renewing us in every aspect of life. Um, yeah, uh, I kind of get onto a soapbox and just kind of keep going and going. You know, I forget, <laughs> am I answering your question still? So, uh. <laughs>
1: yeah, and, and I want to I want to take that a little bit further too because uh, can you talk a little bit more about someone who who feels uh, who has these emotions that make them feel like they don't have enough faith um, and what the how to work through that.
2: Yeah, um, one of the little strategies I talk about in my book, and it's an odd little thing, but uh, a counseling technique that I teach to other counselors, is I if I have a a counselee who is not is thinking that if they just had more faith, they would somehow be less anxious or less depressed, and so their their lack of faith is somehow causing their depression or their anxiety disorder, if I point to an empty chair in the room, I will ask them, do you think that chair is strong enough to hold you up? And they go, well, yeah, I guess so. But they look at me kind of oddly like, why would you ask that question when I'm telling you how depressed I am? And and then I ask them to go over and sit in that chair. And they get up, and they sometimes sheepishly sit in the chair because they're not sure, you know, why would this counselor ask me to do this? And, you know, even they're wondering, did you do something to the chair? And then I have to assure them that, no, I didn't do anything to the chair. And then once they've sat there, uh, again, this is chapter nine in the book, but I tell Christian counselors it's worth the, the cost of the book just to kind of use this technique. Once they sit in the chair, I ask them, okay, what was more important? the strength of your faith in the chair or the strength of the chair. And it's usually a light bulb that goes on They you go, oh, I guess the strength of the chair was more important than the strength of my faith in the chair. So, yeah, you just had enough strength in faith, uh, enough strength of faith in the chair to go sit in it. But if the chair had been weak, it would have crashed. But the chair wasn't. It was strong enough to hold you up. And then I follow up with what's more important the strength of your faith in Jesus or the strength of Jesus himself. Mm -hmm. And usually, again, there's a little light bulb that goes on above people's heads, even non-Lutheran Christian counselors who don't think about faith that way. They think the strength of faith is really what they need to focus on. And when they realize, oh, no, the strength of my Savior is more important than the strength of my faith, which wobbles around a bit from day to day, but I can be confident at some deeper level that Jesus still loves me and still cares for me, still forgives me and will come again for me on that last day. So all the things that I'm doing for him uh, in this life will not be in vain. First Corinthians 15, 58. Um, you know, even when I'm struggling through with my lack of emotional health um, because my sadness or my fear, uh, my guilt are somehow out of whack with each other. So, you know, all those, all those feelings are quite appropriate to feel at various times. That's what we often forget. Um, It's appropriate to feel sad when something tragic has happened. It's appropriate to feel anxious when something important is at stake. But when those feelings start to snowball And just build and build with with no relief. That's when somebody needs some outside help from their pastor, from a counselor, uh, if nothing else, to take a few deep breaths and to meditate on God's word for a few moments as they breathe deeply so that the oxygen level in their blood might get back to a more normal level. Because often what happens when we're depressed or anxious the carbon dioxide and the oxygen in our bloodstream has gotten out of a whack. Cause it's not just a, not just an emotional thing. It's also a physical thing.
0: Man, so much to, <laughs> to, to take in. And I want to go back to, um, the role that emotions play. We, we talked about faith and well-being. What about the intersection of, of emotions and decision-making, um, do they play a role in decision-making and what should we, is there anything we should be aware of when it comes to emotions and making decisions?
2: Yeah. You know, like I said earlier, we're these cohesive creatures that have both thinking abilities and emotional abilities. Um, when we're making important life decisions, it's usually you know, who should I marry or what job should I take this job or uh, how, w- what school should I put my kids into or how do I deal with this pandemic that's been ravaging the, the world for the last 15 months? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, It's important to sort of back up and go, okay, I think this is logically what my two or three or four possibilities are in making this decision but then maybe to once you've logically thought those through maybe make the decision internally and then step back and go now how do i feel about that does it feel like the right decision because again sometimes our emotional side our our right brain and our midbrain our amygdala and all the different parts of the of the midbrain that are uh, so actively involved in our emotions are processing things Uh, in ways that our logical mind doesn't fully realize. And so sometimes just trusting our emotional lives, uh, especially if we are doing things to be emotionally healthy, uh, like seeking out other people's counsel, like breathing and regularly deep breaths and meditating and so forth. If we could do those sorts of things. And again, Uh, Kirk Thompson's book, Anatomy of the Soul, is very good on that because, yeah, they talk about the neuroscience research that actually shows that people who, where are my notes, Um, who do these sorts of things stimulate neuronal activation and growth. If they do aerobic activity, focused attention exercises, and novel learning experiences, all of those things can change our brains and make them healthier Uh, and again novel learning experiences might be something as simple as going for a walk with somebody that we like somebody that we have a relationship with and having a great conversation with them Um, we sometimes hole up by ourselves when we start to have negative emotions uh, and feel overwhelmed by the negative emotions
1: So if people are struggling with this, we've thrown a lot out (laughs) about (laughs) emotions and and dealing with them and working through them. Um, If people are struggling with emotions and and especially after the last uh, year that we've had, I know a lot of people are um, struggling with emotions and mental health. What are some options to consider uh, to get some help with this?
2: Yeah. Well, again, for many of your listeners uh, that are, active in their Lutheran Christian faith, in their Christian faith, uh, seeking out the counsel of their pastor or deaconess or some other uh, church worker that they like and trust may be a first step. If that pastor or church worker uh, says, yeah, I can help with you. I want to pray with you about this. I want to let you know that I'm here to Galatians 6 to help carry your burdens. Um that's very good. The pastor or that deaconess might not be as fully trained on depression or anxiety disorders or whatever other kinds of mental health issues might be going on with a person, but hopefully they would know a Christian counselor that has more expertise in those areas that they could refer that person to um, and then see that person for five times, 10 times. It's just a ton of research out there that shows that people who go get 10 sessions or more of counseling are benefited by that emotionally in terms of their relationship. If they get marital counseling, if they're going through a, a tough time in their marriage, uh, if they get five, 10, 15 sessions of, of counseling, it can save marriages and, and give people for individual counseling new sorts of insights and skills to overcome the next time that they feel overwhelmed by some negative emotions and struggles that they're going through because we do live in this this life with all the thorns and thistles uh, that have come about since the uh, um, since the fall. Uh, Luther called this our Unfectung uh, our, our testing, our trials, our temptations that come on in this life. But all that on all those testings and trials often do and should take us back to our need for our God in Christ, because we realize, wow, I can't do this by myself. I have no ultimate answers to this life. Who does have the ultimate answers to this life? Oh, yeah. Jesus is the one that has all the ultimate answers, and he's made me his workmanship and I am to do the good works he's prepared in advance for me to do Ephesians 2:10 um throughout my lifetime that he leaves me here in a in a faithful way.
0: Oh wow. So much <laughs> so helpful. Dr. Mars, any any final see. thoughts as we wrap up our time together today?
2: Uh lots of various good books that people can read on that. Like I said this Kirk Thompson an of the soul um uh Sue Johnson's book, Created for Connections, uh, which is, again, written from a Christian perspective. My book on uh, making Christian counseling more Christ-centered. And, oh, I will say, too, in some ways, our culture has moved so far away from logic and thought that it's kind of almost going back the other way and overemphasizing emotions. We don't want to go too far the other direction. And a lot of the uh, uh, postmodern theorists are tending to do that sort of thing and that gets us into a whole other issue we probably don't have time to get into so
0: (laughs) (laughs) our guest today the reverend dr richard mars associate professor of practical theology and director of the mdiv and residential alternate route programs at concordia seminary st louis he's also author of making christian counseling more christ-centered dr mars thank you so much for being our guest on the coffee hour today
2: thank you very much andy sarah good to be with you again
0: you've been listening to the coffee hour i'm andy bates
2: i'm sarah gulseth